0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. I have a very, very interesting guest today who is more than a multi-hyphenate, especially now. She is best known for her role as Harmony Lodge on the CW hit series Riverdale. She has been recently in the Lionsgate movie Spiral, which is the Saw reboot opposite Samuel Jackson and Chris rock and now she is adding podcaster to her resume and we'll get into all that right now Marisol Nichols welcome. Thank you thanks for having me Melissa. So you've had such an interesting career Hmm. and you've you've played so many varied roles I mean it's ridiculous from Riverdale to 24 to Big Mama's house. <laughs> I mean, really, you you are so um agile, for lack of a better word, with all the different types of roles you pay. But you grew up outside of Chicago. Did yeah. you always want to act? No,
1: I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be like a rock star. <laughs> Does it? But I think that's the cliche thing. Um No, I didn't get into acting until I was like 19 years old. By accident. By accident, how? Um, I tried out for a play because Chicago has an amazing, amazing, it's a great theater city. And I had broken up with a boyfriend. And it was sort of one of those things where like I I lost like friends because they were all friends with him. And it wasn't, you know, not heartbreaking, but it was just a big change. And I was like, well, why don't I try out for a play and I'll be like an extra and it's something to do? And, um, I ended up getting one of the lead, the female lead role. It was, um, a view from the bridge, Catherine. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, one thing led to another. And I was, I remember I went crying to the director. I'm like, you don't want me. I've never done this before. Like I'm going to ruin your play. Um, and these two guys took me under their wing and kind of just sort of adopted me and taught me kind of confidence and how to do this and that I could do it. And, things just kind of snowballed from there. Do you realize how unusual your story is? (laughs) I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Um, You made your
0: movie debut in one of all of our favorite franchises, and you were in Vegas Vacation. Mm -hmm. So how intimidating or difficult was it to step into a role, because you played Audrey, that had been previously established, yet you have to continue the character and walking into yeah. a group of actors that had such a chemistry already.
1: It's hard being the new the new kid on the block. Completely. Well, I mean, first of all, it's the first movie set I've ever I'd ever been on, like ever. And I just moved from Chicago to LA and they kept auditioning me. And every time I'm like, they're never gonna hire me. Like Audrey Griswold is like the whitest all American girl yeah. in the world. I'm a little Latina named Marisol. Like it's never gonna happen. So I think, that attitude may have helped me because I just did not care. I'm like, it's never going to happen. And then when I got on the set, it was like, oh, I mean, I was a fangirl. I mean, there's J's like I grew up on those movies. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to call him dad. Like it was so, it was a trip. But honestly, I was just like, I just didn't want to get fired. <laughs> you know, I wanted to like hit my mark and make sure I knew my lines and like make sure I was doing everything correctly because because really, I was kind of really new to the game, you know? Did you go back and watch the movies,
0: sort of, to pick up on some some uh, some of how Audrey moved or reacted, or did you just have such a working knowledge that you were able? I to mean, control? I had,
1: like I said, I grew up, I watched all the vacation movies, so I knew it. And also, I was kind of that girl. I mean, me and my family had done road trips every single year, like every year, from Chicago to either the border of Texas or from Chicago to Orlando, Florida, for Disney World. Every other. So I, I knew this very well, which is why probably <laughs> I love the movies. Um, but no, I didn't. I probably should have done some research. But at the time I was so green. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> if that makes any sense.
0: You just brought up road trips. What's your worst family road trip? Oh,
1: uh, okay. How about the family road trip where our van blew up and burnt to the ground? Whoa outside of Chicago, in the middle of a giant blizzard. (laughs) Why were you road tripping in the middle of a blizzard? It was Christmas and we always drove, we would usually drive to the border of Texas um, and Mexico where my mom's family was. And it was my my grandparents 50th wedding anniversary. So my dad had gotten this brand new van and we were bringing this U-Haul like attached to it. And we were driving in a blizzard all the way down. And so, you know, me and my brother didn't care. My t- two younger brothers, and it was like when the vans, like, just came with these screens so you could watch, like, you could watch a video. So we were all, like, you know, just chilling in the back. And it was a snowstorm, so we didn't think anything of it. And my right. dad pulls over, and he's like, I'm just going to check something. And he pops the hood, and he comes, and he, <laughs> and he opens the sliding the, the sliding van door, and he goes, everybody out, it's going to blow. <laughs> And it, so apparently the engine was on fire. What? So I jump out. My brothers jump out. They have bare feet. I think I had shoes still on. We're flagging down cars in the middle of this like, I think it was like a two lane highway each way in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. And I'm piggybacking my brothers to different cars. Trucks are stopping and trying and giving us um, their extinguishers. I'm in another car now watching this. The thing is now in flames, and because it was a blizzard and a massive traffic jam, the closest apparently chemical fire department was forever away, and we couldn't—they couldn't get there. And the entire thing like burnt to a crisp, and we ended up spending the night in some whatever hotel. And a couple of days later, my grandpa drove down and lent us his car, and we drove that to Texas, and we continued the party. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's resilience. Hmm. Uh-huh. God, isn't it funny when you think about your childhood mm-hmm. and and the things that have happened to you and how they end up leading you to where you are today? Yeah. So I want to get into your new podcast because it's it's fascinating, uh, Hollywood Vigilante.
1: Yeah. What inspired the title? That was actually inspired by an article that Marie Claire did on me. So um, Marie Claire came with me and shadowed me on an undercover op that I did in Michigan with um, Sheriff Chris Swanson there. And they shadowed me for about four days as we holed up in a God awful motel and kind of just arrested pedophiles all freaking weekend. And so they had done a lot of research and I had given them other footage of me going undercover. And they ended up doing the seven page article that came out during the pandemic and they called it the Hollywood vigilante. And it was sort of like, I've been doing this for a while, but it was the first like okay let's announce this to the world let's explain what this is yeah
0: you are activist isn't even the right word because it's more than being an activist it's almost become your life's mission yeah it has to deal with and arrest and end sex trafficking yeah how did you get to that? How did, how, you know, that's not something that you're like, Ooh, that seems like a good cause and jump in. It feels very personal. <laughs> um, it,
1: it, it was very personal. I sort of, uh, you know, we talked about childhood. I, I kind of grew up in a really crazy broken home. My brother killed himself. My dad went to prison. um, I ran away a thousand times. Um, I was shoved in a drug rehab at 12, 13. I had a lot of, a lot of noise. And you
0: talk about in that article being raped at 11.
1: Yeah, it was actually, it was uh, 12 and it was February. And yeah, by uh, five guys at a party for the first time that I ever drank and ever smoked pot for the first time. And I passed out and I don't know what I was thinking, but I was the only, it was me and one other girl and six guys, like,
0: Well, and you're 12, you're not exactly. I was not
1: thinking. thinking. And I didn't make good decisions
0: at 12.
1: No, no. (laughs) Um, So certainly those weren't. And I ended up, um, you know, I woke up uh, outside the police station. And then I blacked out again. And then I woke up in my own bed. Apparently I'd babbled enough where they could put together my name and find a family member. And my dad came and picked me up from the police station. And I woke up um, in my own bed with the knowledge that something happened. But no real details except for flashes. So fast forward to learning about, wait, what? Child sex trafficking? What? Back in 2012. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it didn't even occur to me that this, like, those three words should never be in the same sentence. No. Let alone... Occurring in the world at a rate of 4 million children caught up in this thing. And so I started learning about this and I was like, wait, okay. So I'm like, I had heard rumblings of this, like girls from the Philippines or Africa or Thailand or Cambodia. And not that that wasn't horrible, but I had no clue that it was happening in the United States.
0: Right. You think of it as and something in much more of third world countries.
1: Exactly. And the more I, I was like, well, I started learning more and more about this and I was and I learned in the United States that the majority of women and children were American citizens. Really? Kids, Being taken overseas? No, right here. There's no need to bring in girls from overseas because you've got the supply and demand right here in the United States. And I was like, well, how, how are these kids? I'm like, oh, they're runaways and they're foster care kids. Right. And it was like, and it hit a real chord with me. Because I was like, that was, that was me. It's a there, but for the grace of God, go I. Completely. And had that been now, I would have been gone. Right. Period. Gone. And so I started, I, I, I started diving in because I I firmly believe like, if you want to do something about something, you have to know as much as you can. Right. If you really want to make a difference. And no one was talking about this that I knew of. And it was pretty horrifying and I couldn't sleep. I literally just could not sleep. And I was like, well, if I want to sleep, I should probably do something about this. And so I started digging in.
0: But also I'm sure it stirred up all the memories oh my from being raped and dumped at a, a, a police station, which is, I can't believe, you know, how horrific that must have been in the moment, let alone in hindsight. And then seeing again there, but for the grace of God, go on these other girls that could you could have
1: been 100% it. um, I mean, I I remember waking up and going, oh, my life is completely different now. Yeah, I knew that that was the the change. (laughs) Like if I was going this way, I was now going that way. Right. And that was the moment. And, you know, hearing about what was happening to girls my age. Right. Like the first question was, okay, if they're running away, what are they running away from? First question, Always. what are they running away from? Right. And there's a million things to be running away
0: from. Some are valid and some are not all exactly. here. I mean, I remember I was running away, you know, and come on, I wasn't running that's away. That's different. I
1: think that's, that's different. Yes. 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 Um. But like... These most of these kids have some serious stuff going on. Very or they much would so. rather figure out how to live on the street than stay where mm-hmm. they are. Right, which is where I was at. You know, and right. fortunately, I was in the suburbs of Chicago, and at that time, that wasn't happening. Nowadays, like it doesn't matter. Like girls are getting approached in malls girls are being um slipped roofies at bars and taken girls are being lured on facebook and instagram and it's it's a whole different world now it's a whole different world now and i i was like this isn't fair Mm -mm. this is not fair no one deserves to be held against their will and sold 15 to 20 times a day to strangers period okay
0: so just clarify for me because this is something i was trying to figure out yeah the, and I and I googled it. The difference between human trafficking and prostitution. Here's what it said: Sex trafficking can include prostitution, but not all prostitution is sex trafficking.
1: Okay, so sex trafficking, by definition, implies that you are forced okay. to do something, forced, coerced against your will. So. If a girl, let's say a 15-year-old girl is walking the streets, or even, a, let's, say, let's say a 23-year-old girl is walking the streets, right? Prostitution implies that she's there willingly. Right. And she's selling her body. Where the blurred line is, is why do you need a pimp? Or a madam, that was gonna be my, my question. Yes, P- particularly, I'm just gonna jump on the whole pimp thing, but I'm sorry, but why do you need a man? To sell your body to arrange men to have sex with you and you give him the money. Right. See the blurred line? Very, no, it's very blurred. That's why I Googled it. Very blurred. It's, it's, so, it's it, yeah. It's very gray. Well, it can be when it comes to when you use the word prostitution. Right. But like the one thing that these organizations and other organizations and governments that I've worked with is they're trying. And they have succeeded with the associated press to get the words child prostitute out of the out of the vernacular because a child isn't old old enough to consent to sex they're not old enough to vote they're not old enough to do things, of course there's no such thing as a child prostitute. No, (laughs) no. So it's it's sort of like the vernacular and the education on this is catching up to the problem. Because the problem has been there for a very long time, and like I said, in 2012 when I was hearing about this, and to the degree that it was, no one else was doing stuff on it. No, it wasn't out there in a giant way. I'm not saying I was the first by a mile, but what I'm saying is it wasn't in the day to day conversation that you're now starting to hear about it. Thank God, ten years later. Does that if that makes sense? One
0: hundred percent. And you were involved in a lot of stings. I mean. Yeah. I, I think about when Chris Hansen did all those to catch a predator.
1: Yes, and but again, that's that blurred. Well, walnut. not really. So, to catch a predator, and some of the stings that I do, we're putting an ad in a newspaper, right? Ad right on Craigslist, ad on back page. It's an ad somewhere that literally is advertising a little kid being held against their will for sex. Come have sex. So one of the biggest ops that I did, I was pretending to be a meth, uh, meth addicted mom with her husband selling her nine-year-old and 12-year-old kid. Wow. Yeah, on Craigslist, weekend this weekend only. Wow. And, oh, yeah. And within 15 minutes, we had 30 appointments. That's so That's frightening. Yeah. That's what um, we're doing out there. One of the kind of ops that I'm doing out there. But there are, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of adult predators that are combing through ads and combing through Facebook and combing through chat rooms, looking for those kids, and the younger the better. For that, what what kind of cross
0: section of people are you seeing responding? Because I would have to assume it's no specific socioeconomic or group or anything that is responding.
1: I, you know, when I first started doing this, I don't know what I expected to show up, but I expected them to look like monsters. Right. I expected them to be like, you know, drug addicted, looking like really messed up. Right. Like what you would expect if you were casting it in a movie. Exactly. Thank you. Um, I was shocked by the clientele, for lack of a better word. There were anywhere from military guys coming from the military base, like Upstat, like crew cut, down to um, a guy that worked for the Catholic church, down to a man that worked for the city, down to fathers. Um, and I hate to say it, but the majority were white, middle aged. I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah, it's the I am, profile.
1: I am, I am not surprised. Yeah, it was horrifying and it took me a it took me like after I do one of these like it's really hard to you go you you know you go back to your normal home and you go back to like whatever to a park or airport or, or wherever you go and it's to look at men normally again it, it takes a while because I, the normal ones are the ones that are showing up to do this right how do you I was gonna say how do you decompress and you're a mom. I'm a mom. So,
0: I mean the levels of fear that must be churning inside you and you don't want to bring that home to your child, but you want them to be aware. Yep, but you don't want to terrify them.
1: Yes. You just described my entire like modus operandi. How do oh, okay. I educate my child? How do I keep us safe without completely freaking her out and sheltering her, but so she knows what to do so she can come to me and take care of herself if I'm not around. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a little
0: more than stranger danger.
1: Yeah, it's a lot, it's better now that she's a little bit older. But even when she was younger, it was like, I would take like, I would draw little pictures and be like, look, honey, there are, and I would do all these dots. And i would be like, there's this many people in the world, right? I go, and here's a kid. And then I would say this many, and I would just circle like a small amount. I go, are looking for little kids alone. The rest are good. But the problem is you don't know which dots are which. So you need to always stay by the adult that you trust. I go, that is why you cannot go running off at any amusement park. she would be like, I want to run or whatever. I'm like, you have, and then I would teach her like, if something happens or you get lost, go find a mom with kids. A mom or dad with kids, not an adult, a mom or dad with kids. That's
0: great advice. They will help you. That's amazing advice, right? Um, you know, lately, we've been seeing—I mean, we've seen commercials and all that kind of thing, where you're supposed to. There's certain hand signals and things that a child or someone who is being trafficked or held against their will can show. Yeah,
1: yeah. there's there's a symbol that was going around TikTok, and there was a girl that was saved. Right. Because she was making these signs from a car to another girl who knew what those signs were and called the police and they were, and they were able to rescue her. And if you've, I don't know if you've traveled recently, but have you seen the, when you go to the airport now, which I'm so grateful for in the bathrooms, there's, are you being held against your will? These are the signs of trafficking. Call this phone number. That's all um, Homeland security and their blue campaign. There's now these things that you can do and hotlines that you can call and solutions for this not everyone knows it and i want to get it out there more in a big way but i'm so grateful that that, that is even out there I, I mean and yes it's wonderful
0: but i do like the idea of there being a sign because if you honestly, if you're being held against your will you're probably not going to be able to just call and you know
1: no but if you go to the long. bath that's why i love the fact that it was inside the women's bathroom stall right inside the stall when you close right. the door and i was like right. there you go because that's you- the only place you're alone
0: I mean, don't you think there should be an international symbol, though, for. Oh, I
1: mean, if we could get the symbols out so that a girl could signal anyone, there's a great I mean, first of all, that would be amazing. Right. And the more education and the more awareness that we bring to this, the more that's going to happen. There's a brilliant group called Airline Ambassadors. I don't know if you've heard about them, Mm -hmm. but they train all FAA personnel, including the stewardesses on what to look for because half the time these girls that are being trafficked on planes and blah, 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 don't even know that they're being trafficked yet they've no really? idea oh yeah like and these these traffickers by the way are clever yes there was one girl that um there's an organization called the national center for missing and exploited children they're they're amazing they're missingkids.org and um, they came and spoke at one of my events and there was um this very very sophisticated setup where these traffickers had women doing it. It always kills me when it's women. I was going to ask that. That's that's such a strange because you think of it as being man, Kills me. Anyway, these women were approaching um, young girls um, like 19, 20, 21 in the malls and saying, Oh, I really love the way you do your makeup. If you ever want a job, we need makeup artists to come and travel with our models. Here's my card. They had a fake website, a whole thing, fill out this application. Now they had the girls, um, social security numbers, their home address. They had everything. Right. And did two interviews. Wow. Uh huh. And then when the girls showed up for the second interview, um, this one particular girl got nervous, said, let, let me go to my car and grab. And then the van was there and they took her. That's they, like it's they're, they're patient. They're creative. It's. It's
0: scary. How how much I mean, what, what is the impetus? How much
1: money are we talking about? Because it's a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry worldwide. Wow.
0: You know, there's just so many things I, I want to ask you. I want to go back to the flight attendants for a second. Sure. What are they? or I, mean, I think it's good for anybody to hear. What should we look for?
1: Good. OK, so one of the things that you should look for if, let's say, it's a kid traveling with an adult. So mm-hmm. any mother or any father who's ever traveled with a kid, you have to bring an iPad. You have to bring toys. You're going to bring extra clothes. You're going to bring stuff with that kid. That kid's probably going to have a, a coat or a this or a that. What you look for is an adult traveling with a kid who has nothing, usually a file, and the kid has nothing for the plane ride. That's flag number one. Two, if the adult is speaking for the kid and has to look in a file for the things, that's usually the other sign, um, the kid can't speak for themselves, isn't holding their passport or holding, not that a young kid would hold those things, but you can see where you're like, wait a minute, this adult is sort of speaking for all of this. Right. Right. Um, several kids have been saved that way where the kid went to the bathroom and the flight attendant approached them as, like, Who's the man you're traveling with? Right. I don't know. Who are you meeting? I'm supposed to, a family member, an uncle, blah, 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 blah. Called authorities and were waiting once they landed and the kid was saved. Wow. Okay. So that's number one, the easiest thing to look for. Um, secondly, if the people don't know who they're meeting, you can usually, like, the one thing I always say is trust your instincts right trust you get a vibe you know when you're around that sort of level of evil you get a vibe and ask questions i always do don't be afraid ask questions hey who are you with hey do you know that guy that you're traveling with oh you're going for a modeling job how did you find out about it oh do you have the phone number well ask questions because these guys are sophisticated and it's better safe than sorry, and all the hostesses all have the eight hundred number for airline ambassadors and the eight hundred number to call so that someone is meeting them when they land.
0: But that's it's amazing. Better
1: to be safe than sorry, always. That's always.
0: A, that's amazing. Um, you look at people like Jeffrey Epstein. Yep. And you got a question. I mean, is it money? Like someone like your, that covers it up because. You could say he was trafficking.
1: Yeah, you could say that, or Ghislaine was fucking recruiting. Pardon right. me,
0: I forgot. So, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, we we swear on this all, oh, right. all right. the right. time,
1: right. you know. Or
0: in R. Kelly, which is a slightly different situation. Exactly. That's just plain old frigging sexual abuse and rape. Right. So that is there is a there is a difference
1: where Jeffrey Epstein would fall into trafficking. Per the definition of trafficking, you're forced or coerced against your will. You could say an R. Kelly who was, you know, with 12 year old girls and young girls, they can't, of course, he's R. Kelly and it's coerced and this and that and the other. You could say that um, for me, so I don't get into too much blurred lines, right. I literally just try to focus on the people that can't leave. Right. Like literally, physically, cannot leave. Then the line is clear. And that's who I'm trying to save. The ones that have been taken against their will, held against their will, and have can't get out. Period. They have nowhere to go. What are you hoping to accomplish with the
0: podcast? Other than I mean, this has been so educational. Like I'm I'm oh thanks. Just just like my my jaws on the ground. I could talk to you for an hour and have a million different questions. Thank but you. the
1: podcast. So with the podcast, I know that people are interested in undercover stuff. So I bring you know, I bring the guys that I go undercover with, we show footage that we can show we show some disguises that we've used that we're not going to use again. Um, We talk about this issue in length, because we see it, you know, firsthand. Um, I'm hoping to accomplish not only awareness, but I need an we, we need an army. We need a demand for change. We need protests in the street. It won't change unless I get good people to find out about it and learn enough about it and demand it to change because all the bad guys know about it. And all the good people are like, oh, wait, what? I don't want to hear about that. That's horrifying. And I understand it. Right. So I'm trying to do it in a way where they will want to know more about it. Because the, the good people are the ones that we need on our side, helping and and able to make a change in the world. And in my opinion is if enough people know about it, the demand for change will happen and we will put an end to it.
0: Mirzel, you are freaking amazing. And this has been enlightening and terrifying and a true call to action. And thank you I am, you thank you so much for spending this time with me. My pleasure. Ahura Media Production.